right about him. I'm always right. It's like when I'm right, I'm right. And when I'm wrong, I could have been right. So I'm still right because I could have been wrong. That makes sense. Come on. All right, we're back. Episode two. Uh, now in a world where we already did, but now may have to officially recognize Josh Gibson as the home run king. My name is Ivan. He is Maurice, a.k.a. Reese the MC. RTMC. Make sure you say that MC. And I don't think there's no, we may have to. I think there is everybody else now may have to. This has been a conversation between us for many, many, many moons. Even Barry Bonds, when he hit his Babe Ruth breaking home run, he was like, well, you know, Gibson has 800. So, so we know what the real deal is. Yeah, so the, the, and that's, so I was curious about this. So I, I dug up baseball reference because I was curious how they're going to actually account for all the statistics with so many exhibition games. As of this moment, they, they credit Josh Gibson with about 115 home runs, I think. I saw that too, and I was like, was this in one season? Like, I was like, what is this? Correct. Because even his Hall of Fame plaque in um, MLB Hall of Fame, it literally says between 800 and 1,000 home runs. That's literally what it says in the Hall of Fame currently. Yeah, so they better back that up because he's always my all-time catcher, always will be. Talk about a guy that they say hit 352, not a big deal. So, not too bad. I think he might be your all-time favorite player no matter where they play. Like, I think that – I know you have your biases towards the Red Sox players and all that, but, like, I think when it's all said and done and we put all of the players on the table and we be like, listen, listen, these are your favorite players. Pick the one that you want to start your team with. I feel like you're always going to pick Gibson to go first, even though you got you have your Boston Red Sox alliances. And which is which is even funnier because you pick a, a franchise that's more non-Negro League. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think he might be my choice. I, I think part of it was just the Negro Leagues have always been my favorite era of baseball to examine because there's so much, for lack of a better word, mythology around it uh, where we don't really know so many things, but so many great stories came from it. Um, and so I was always very defensive that they needed more credit. Um, and, yes, it, it, there is some irony in that the Red Sox were the last team to um, have an African-American player. But at the same time, you know, you also had, you know, our greatest player, Ted Williams, who dedicated his entire Hall of Fame speech uh, mm-hmm. against the will of MLB, uh, saying that they need to recognize these players. So, you know, th- there's some relationship there, but. Uh, I'm glad to see that finally they're going to get the love that they deserve. Um, cool Papa, Satch, all the goats. Oh, you know you know how I feel about Cool Papa and Satch. Was Satch getting 150-plus wins, they said, is looking like? Something like that. I think I saw something that if they counted for some of the stats they have, he would have the second-best whip of all time. I can believe that. Which I'm curious who would be above him. but I think, it's, I think it would still be uh, – What's like a closer? Uh, hmm? It's probably, it has to be like a closer. Something. I was going to say it, it might be uh, – well, I'm blanking on – I think it might be somebody like uh, – who played for the Astros? Like recently? No, 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 no. Uh, he has the second most strikeouts, I think. Oh, he actually has the most strikeouts right now, I think, ever. Nolan Ryan? Nolan. I think Nolan might have the highest um, whip ever. Let's see. And I should know this because Nolan Ryan is my favorite pitcher of all time. So, outside what, of it, what it outside looks of like, 
It is not Nolan Ryan. So oh, if wait, we're wait, counting... don't, don't, wait, 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 wait. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Give me some clues. Okay. Give me some clues. Uh, do you want, like, the ones that are actually guessable? You mean guess, guessable clues? No, like guessable individuals. Because, I mean, the guy that they credit being in first place uh, died in 1911. All right, we're not going to go that far. I am not going to get <laughs> – 1911 was a good, wasn't a good time for the blacks, so I wasn't really – But also, that. rest in peace to Addie Joss. Cl- nah, great nah. classic name. Nah, I'm going uh, to keep it real with you, Ivan. If you was a white man in 1911, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm going to give you – so this is the guy that they credit as third on the list okay. at basically one, um, one okay. as a whip. Uh, your, your clue – oh, there's a, there's a few different ways I go. I'm, I'm trying to think of something that might not be the most guessable – I'll say when you think of one certain pitch, mm-hmm. you think of this man. Mm, Tim Wakefield? Yep. Tim Wakefield is the greatest pitcher of all time, <laughs> and we can move right along. No, it is not Tim Wakefield. I had to throw got that the out division there. right. You got the division right. I had to throw that out there, of course. I had to. I had to. Is it Mo? It is Mo. It is Mo. Right. Um, and then kind of off of that, you got the Kershaw sale, the Grom, uh, Pedro's in the mix. Where, where's my um, man, where's our man Pedro at? Seven, uh, eight. I, I skipped over uh, John Ward, um, who again died before the Great Depression. You know, we not rocking with anybody before the Great Depression, but you know, Pedro's our guy. Eight's my favorite number. I feel like it's fitting. Nolan Ryan is number two hundred and ninety-six on the list. I just threw that out there. Yeah, I was completely <laughs> wrong. I was super wrong. See what happens when you bet on a white man. no less yeah man i i messed up there people my bad because in my mind whip Whip is one of those i mean i gotta take this back because now satchel might have number two but whip is one of those stats that i never really got behind because it's it's like it's like per the more you play the worse it's going to be and they feel like that's a way to judge you like that's why iverson would never get his credit because he played 42 minutes a game even though we said it in the last back cuts like he he won't never get the credit for being great like other players because he wasn't as efficient because he played so many minutes. It wasn't because he didn't do the same type of things. It was because his his things they do per thirty six. This man was playing five, six, seven more minutes than that per game. So it was like, uh, not. Yeah, I think we should also just recognize that it means that Pedro Martinez is better than Nolan Ryan. But you know that's just me. Moving swiftly along, I'll tell you this. <laughs> I'll tell you this. If we were drafting pitchers and it's a five-man rotation, I can't – I refuse to take five pitchers over Pedro Martinez, but I will take Nolan Ryan before I take Pedro Martinez. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't have any gripes with that. My my favorite Pedro Martinez story, um, Peter Gammons was writing an article about, about the turn of the century uh, right at Pedro's peak, and he essentially – pulled every hitter in baseball and said, okay, what pitcher has the best fastball, uh, curveball, and changeup? If I'm recalling correctly, um, Pedro edged out, you know, the Randy Johnsons uh, of the world uh, when it came to a fastball. Whoa, that's that's interesting. Because he had the movement, too, you got to remember. You know, he liked to throw that that backdoor two-seamer. Yeah, but Randy Johnson killed a bird live on TV. Yeah, but that was in the minor leagues. It doesn't really count the same. Okay, it one hundred percent counts. If, pa- <laughs> if we gonna believe Pedro Martinez's age is whatever they say it is, we're gonna we're gonna count that bird being killed <laughs> by Randy Johnson. 
And then I, I want to say maybe he was up there with Maddox when it came to a curveball. Uh, maybe a couple others kind of mixed bag. But, again, Pedro came out on top. Uh, and then when it came to the changeup, no one else got a vote. Uh, and because he swept all three categories, it totally defeated the purpose of the article, and it was never published. <laughs> See, I, I believe Pedro Martinez will never get the credit he deserves because he didn't stick around just to stick around. Like, he stuck around when he was still good. Like, I don't think I've ever seen – like, there were seasons where his record wasn't good, but I don't think I've ever seen an entire Pedro Martinez season when he wasn't a good pitcher. And I think that a lot of the pitchers who are considered greater pitchers than him stuck around very long. So they have better statistics because they have longevity, even though they weren't better for a lot. I think his peak lasted longer than a lot of pitchers. I think pitchers in general just stayed around longer than he did, even though he played for a long time. Like, if I'm not mistaken, that entire uh, Atlanta Braves staff played literally five years over when they probably should have retired. But they were like, nah, Glavin was like, I got to get these records. Maddox was like, I got to get these wins. Smoltz was like, yeah, I can still do some stuff out here. Like, it was like, whatever it was, it was going to stay. So people might take all three of those pitches over Pedro. I can't. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's fair. I mean, you got to remember some of the teams he was on because I, I do think that's what has, for whatever reason, held him back in some of these arguments. He's only at 219 wins. Mm -hmm. He also threw a perfect game that he'll never get credited with because his team couldn't score a run. He went 27 up, 27 down, and they couldn't score a single run to help him. You know, like these are some of the teams that he had, yeah. you know. Really? So, you know, he, he wasn't always rocking with Manny and Poppy uh, no, no, or he, the 08 Phillies, you know. Yeah, he, no, he, he definitely played on some trash. 09 Phillies. <laughs> he played on some real trash for a long time. Yeah, the Expos, and, the Mets. Yeah, like nobody, nobody – Expos don't even exist anymore. You know how hard it is for baseball to change something? Baseball doesn't change anything. And they're like, yeah, we're going to get rid of this team. Like, <laughs> like that shows you that that's not, that shouldn't have been a thing for as long as it has been. And well, they crazy. were trying to bring him back as like a Havsies thing, uh, no, have the Rays split time there. And then no, we're not doing COVID that. and all that. Expos are done. Even though Expos has some of my favorite players, we talked about it before. Vladimir Guerrero was one of my 10 favorite players of all time. Pedro was top 30 favorite player of all time for me. Like they had some gems, but those teams were absolutely awful. That's why baseball is probably – I would probably put it above football for the greatest team sport there is. Yeah, no, I, I do think uh, there's a beauty in baseball that you don't have in other sports um, for a multitude of angles. It's a very – it's an individual team sport uh, in that, you know, at the end of the day you go up there alone, but you need every part to be working. You know, you can't have one player that scores 60 and carries your team to win because if, if one dude hits four doubles in a game, if no one else gets on base, you're not going to score a single run. So, you know, See, and you can't run the clock out in baseball, too. That's my favorite part. Yeah, I, but I think that that's even a misnomer because you don't go up there alone. You have people giving you signs about what you probably should do based upon what the pitcher's up to. It's like you're never really alone in baseball. Like in every part of baseball depends on somebody else. Like there's no part of baseball. If the catcher don't throw back to the pitcher, he don't have a ball. If the catcher isn't there, then the person gets to go, get on base with a wild, wild pitch. Like, it's – I think that baseball takes so, – like, there are things – like, a wide receiver don't ever have to go to the huddle if they don't want to. They're yeah. like, I'm just out here. <laughs> I'm going to do whatever I want to do, and it is what it is. Like, and you can't really do nothing about that. Other parts of – I don't think there's a part of baseball where that's like a wide receiver where you can just do what you want and it's going to work out properly. 
Yeah, no, it's a lot of moving parts uh, in a synchronized way. Otherwise, stuff is going to go right. And it's a big-time preparation game. Um, I, I feel that a lot of baseball is, you know, to quote Yogi Berra, uh, 90% of baseball is mental. The other half is physical. Uh, and Yogi I do Berra. think there's some truth in that, uh, in that you have to know what you do before it happens, and it may never happen. Whereas I, I feel like a lot of the, you know, football, basketball, hockey is a little more reactive um, mm. than, you know, predictive and, you know, being prepared. It's not to say that they aren't prepared, um, but, you know, th- their game is more built for fast change uh, instead of, you know, the flow and process of it uh, from a strategy level, I think. All right, so we're going to keep talking about baseball because there is a point I want to make about the New York League cutoff at 1948. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at the, the Lakers ring ceremony. And is this a fail or is this a W that the Lakers got LeBron James a ring that only fits his pinky? He tried it on all his other fingers and it only fits his pinky. And it is, is, is massive. It's like the size of a toddler head. So I haven't gotten – I'm still seeing Anthony Davis, so I may have to report back. Okay. Uh, it sounds hysterical. Keep that in but. mind as, as you look at it. Like, <laughs> he just keep, he tries it on other fingers and it's like, all right, I guess I'll keep it on. The that, well, yeah. So, so it has to be an L then though, because he's LeBron. You didn't get his ring size. Like you didn't measure. And, and, and Anthony Davis's fits on his ring finger. So I don't think that everybody's fits in their pinky. <laughs> like, I think it's literally like, oh, we might. And it's so big that you're not taking that back and getting it refitted. This is just what it is. This is what you have to hold on to. But back to the baseball. I mean, if, if LeBron asks, they have to get him a new one, no? No, they do not. If I'm the Lakers, I'm looking at him like, you know this ring probably costs as much as a small street in L.A. I'm I mean, gonna put he, that- wa- he, wanted, he wanted to ruin a beautiful movie franchise, as we've discussed. Yeah. What's to no, say that gotta- he doesn't want them to go put more money on this for him? Listen. LeBron, right, here we go. I got it now. Yeah, no, that did not get over the knuckle. <laughs> it literally didn't even get close. It was like, ah, all right. <laughs> yeah, gave it a shot. Although, okay, so, so here's my other thought to this. He does have other rings. So maybe he – I don't know why he would try it on the ring finger, though, is the thing. You know, if he was like, I want it for my pinky so I can wear it with the other rings – then I could understand it, but he sh- wouldn't have put it on the ring finger in that case. Yeah, so he, he I think this is uh, – uh, and you just hate to see a proud uh, franchise like the Los Angeles Lakers making mistakes like this on the <laughs> national stage. It's just a shame. Spoken by a true Celtics fan. And oh, I don't no, that, that's purely unbiased and impartial. Sure, sure, whatever you say. And I don't even think the Celtics is the second best franchise in NBA history, but back to baseball. The fact Correct, they're, they're first. Up, huh? No, go ahead. The fact that they're cutting off the Negro Leagues at 1948, I didn't read why that is. I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't dive too deep into it. But in 1949, and I believe in 1950, four different women played in the Negro Leagues, which means the first women professional baseball players ever will never get credit for it. Yeah, the cutoff really never made sense to me because if you're going to dip your toe in, uh, in terms of crediting these baseball players with their correct statistics, you have to credit them with all of their correct statistics, not just the point at which you know the color uh, barrier was broken 
mm-hmm. um, by Jackie, Larry Doby. Uh, yeah, you because know, a they still others. didn't get a fair shake at going to the to the MLB. It's not like they were like, "Oh, we're welcoming you all," and it was like, "Nah, we still good on this. We'll do one at a time and see how it goes." Yeah, it was a very select basis. I mean, yeah. So Satchel started in 1948 in the bigs, so I guess that's kind of the cutoff that they gave him. But yeah, no, it's it's crazy. Um, you know that it went on for years beyond that, so it really makes yeah. no logical sense. Yeah, I didn't understand it at all. Like, I, I get, like, what you're saying about what it probably being, like, the color barrier was broken. But the breaking the color barrier doesn't necessarily mean that you have access. That just means that you have more access than people before you. It means you know, one like, person had access. Yeah, and Jack, and, and by all accounts, I should, maybe not all, but from what I have seen for years, ever since I was a little kid, nobody thought Jackie Robinson – was the best baseball player in the Negro Leagues. They just thought he was the most tolerant player who was still very good. And that's why he got picked. Like they were like they were the fact that they basically blackballed what probably is the greatest pitcher ever, Satchu Page, because he was too flamboyant. That says a lot. We're like and I love Jackie Robinson. I love his story. I love him. I think he was an amazing player. I think he probably is the second, uh probably third when we think about cool Papa third greatest base dealer in MLB history, even if the statistics don't show that. But I think that is something to be said about being the first as opposed to being the best. Yeah, no, and by all accounts, uh, the stars of the Negro League weren't happy. Mm-mm. You know, I, th- There was kind of this sentiment from everything that I've researched that they picked Jackie Robinson, one, because he could be tolerant, but at the same time, Many believe that they picked him rather than a Gibson or a Page uh, or a Bell or a Buck Leonard or, you know, some of these other stars, even the ones that went later, because they thought that he was going to flame out. They thought Jackie was going to be a failed experiment, and that's what MLB wanted at the time to say, oh, no, they can't hang with us. That's an amazing point because if you think about Jackie Robinson's game, he didn't have anything about his game that was dominant outside of his base stealing ability. Like that was his own, that was his main dominant component. Like he was a great baseball player overall. Like he was, if if there's a five two baseball player, Jackie Robinson was like the the B caliber five two player. Like he could do all five things, but he wasn't hitting home runs like Gibson. He didn't have an arm like a lot of these other guys. He didn't have the person like so it was a lot of things that he didn't dominate in that could possibly win you games. So that makes a lot of sense that they picked a guy who was a very good baseball player. Very good, if not a great baseball player, but they picked a utility guy. Like that's what Jackie Robinson's skill set was to a certain extent, especially if you're going to a league that doesn't want you there. They're going to use you as a utility guy. So if you aren't guaranteed to hit a home run because Jackie wasn't the home run hitter, if you aren't guaranteed to throw somebody out, if you aren't guaranteed to do all these other things, it makes it easier for them to give you a minuscule role and say that you were not good enough to be a part of the game. And, you know, let's not forget one other thing. When he was playing for the Monarchs, he was a shortstop. That was his position uh, by all accounts that he played. He was a shortstop. In his entire Major League Baseball career, I just looked this up, he played one game at shortstop. So, you know, they weren't even putting him in his literal position to succeed. You know, those are some of the – things he was overcoming they put him at first base which is a super safe place to be Mm -hmm. when you're singled out 
You know, it was depicted in 42. It's a great yep. way to get spiked every time someone's coming up and down the line. And it's a uh, great way for fans to throw stuff at you, talk smack to you, spit on you. And that, that says a lot, too, about the talent of the Negro Leagues, where you take Jackie Robinson, who at the time when he got called up was a very good baseball player, but I don't think he was considered one of the greats of the Negro League. And he became one of the greatest MLB players ever. Like, that shows you not only the growth of that man and his talent, but also how deep and rich the pool was in the Negro Leagues. Yeah, no, I mean, you go down this list and the stories that are told about these individuals uh, really <laughs> never get old. And, and even the people that kind of flowed in through those last couple of years, I, I was personally hoping uh, that Willie Mays played more years in the Negro Leagues than I had remembered. Uh, he did not. <laughs> so I, I was really hoping that he might break Bond's record because, you know, he was kind of the next closest one. Uh, but I think Willie he only Mays got I about see. a season. 660 home runs? Is that Willie Mays' mark? I remember certain home run marks because of what they meant to people. Yeah, he was 660. All right. Um, See how it it automatically comes back because of how great he was? Because I remember when when Bonds passed him because that's his godfather. Yep. And I remember when Sosa passed him. I remember when Griffey passed him. And it was just like, that's Willie. And a lot of people say that that's the greatest home run hitter, not because of volume, but because of how great of a hitter he was. Like, it's almost like the Jack Nichols, uh, Jack Nichols, Nichols, wow. The, the Jack Nicholson conversation where they talk about the majors in golf. When they're like, yeah, if Tiger breaks the major record, Jack Nicholson still has, I think, 18 number two finishes. It's like, <laughs> it's like yeah, all right. Jack Nicholson's numbers are, are pretty unreal. Um, like, it's, it's just quick like, fact like, check, though. Griffey and Sosa never touched uh, Mays. Wait, where did Griffey end up? 630. And I just looked, Sosa was at uh, 609. The one you may have been thinking of was um, A-Rod. No, nah, I wasn't thinking of A-Rod. A-Rod oh. did pass him, I think. Yeah, he A-Rod, I still can't believe A-Rod didn't come back for like one more year just to get to 700. He needed four home wait, runs. Wait, wait, wait. I got I to gotta, I gotta rewind because I made a big blunder there. So I remember specifically when when Bonds passed him. I oh uh, maybe maybe the social one was the fact that Sammy I think is the only MLB player ever to have like four seasons of sixty home runs or more. That could be it. And I think Willie Mays had a record that he broke. I think that that that's why I'm thinking six sixty. I think that might be it, or I could have just completely screwed that up. But I remember vividly when Bonds passed him because he was actually at the game because it's his Godfather. Sure. And that was the thing. And may, maybe what I'm thinking is the fact that they were getting upset because Sosa was approaching. And, and Bonds had already passed, and they were, like, worried about that kind of thing. Maybe that's what I'm thinking about. And with Griffey, I think the projections was he could have passed it if he stayed playing Pat way past his prime, and he just didn't want to do it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 630 is still pretty close, given that he dealt with some injuries and, and the rest of things as well. But Griffey uh, could have been a DH and hit 15 home runs for four more years. Like that could if, if he had just like never gone to the Reds and he went to like the White Sox, well maybe not the White Sox because they had Frank Thomas at the time. Come but on, baby, a, a, any AL team, I only said the White Sox because he ended up there after. But any AL team, you're right, probably could have saved his body uh, a little bit and just kept raking. Because you look at you know what Ortiz did in his last year, where his body was not, not to say that he was ever the athlete that Ken Griffey was. But he still put up 38 home runs, and he was saying that like his feet didn't work. So yeah, I think that, but I think that says a lot about Griffey because I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure, as in I don't actually have any facts. I'm sure 
that the Yankees offered Ken Griffey Jr. a lot of money to just come and just be a part of the franchise because it would be good image-wise and he could still hit home runs. And he probably was like, well, it's not competitive. Like, Because there was a time when Griffey wasn't no longer Griffey, the Yankees weren't really that competitive. So he could have easily taken a bag at one of these big major teams and just hit home runs and literally go sit down and eat sunflower seeds. But I think that he actually believed that he wanted to play the game at a competitive level. Because even though he was on – his last season was the White Sox, wasn't it? Uh, I believe so. But also, when it comes to the Yankees, he hated the Yankees from childhood. Yeah, but still, man, you know how that thing goes. Like, if, 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 if they come through with the bizag, that's what I'm saying. It's a lot of credit to him. I think that he could have easily been like, yeah, I could do that. But he chose not to because he because his hated, hatred for the Yankees, yes. But I think it's also because he wanted to win, but he didn't want to win just because you could buy a championship. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I, I will say, obviously, as a Red Sox fan, it was my favorite Griffey quote to see the clip of him saying, uh, kind of at his peak, um, someone said, oh, you got to – some fan said, oh, you got to come to the Yankees. And he said, and I quote, if the Yankees were the last team, if they were the only team that gave me a contract, I'd retire. I mean, I'm not mad at that. As a person who grew up cheering for the Yankees, as a person who also – I mean, I'm really a Phillies fan, but, like, I, I have my secondary team. The Yankees was my secondary team. Also, a little known fact that I am happy about, even though if, when you're from Philadelphia, you never claim Pennsylvania. So the fact that King Griffey Jr. was born in Pennsylvania, I'm taking that. I'm like, yo, <laughs> we got this. We over here. You know, he's born in a, a part of Pennsylvania that I've never even – walked through like I've never even seen like not even in a car I've never even like been like oh that's where King Griffey Jr. was born never even seen it but I'm still claiming it as this part of ours where was he born look it up baby look it up Nora yeah Yeah, Tucky if I've ever seen it absolutely Philadelphians don't even say Pennsylvania when we speak like where you from Philly oh okay he's not too far out of the berg if it ain't Philly it's too far (laughs) yeah I mean I I'll say you might be able to argue that, like, Cleveland has, uh, from a distance perspective, as much right to him as Philly does. No, no, no. no. I didn't say he's from Philly. I said he's from Pennsylvania. Okay. I'm claiming yeah, no, it, it, it is true. It is a rarity yeah. um, to call it out unless they're from you gotta at be from least, like, third. Bucks County. You got to like, be from – That's, like, the furthest. Every, every other part of Pennsylvania, except for maybe Pittsburgh – says Pennsylvania when they speak. Philadelphian typically don't say I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We typically say I'm from Philadelphia, I'm from Philly, or we call out the part, I'm from, you know me, I say I'm from North, from North Philadelphia. You know, like other parts, of, I'm from Lancaster, PA. I'm from Bluebell, PA. I'm from King of Prussia, PA. I'm from Harrisburg, PA. They always say, we don't claim. They love counties, that. too. They love yeah, a good yeah, county love reference. love the counties. I'm from Delco. Like, we don't claim none of that. We claim Philadelphia, and we keep it moving. <laughs> like, but we always claim the Pennsylvania people. Like, we still claim Taylor Swift. We're claiming Clint King Griffey Jr. We're claiming all of the people who didn't actually grow here, but they were great, and they came from here. Just like New York still claims Jordan, even though that's BS. <laughs> like, they're like, yeah, he's from Brooklyn. No, he's not from North Carolina. Okay, but if I'm claiming Taylor Swift and King Griffey Jr., I'll give you Michael Jordan. No, they can have Mello. Mello was born in, in Brooklyn, raised in Baltimore, I believe Carmelo Anthony is from Puerto Rico. I'm just going to, like, slide him over. <laughs> We're going all the way left there. <laughs> all the way left. He's Puerto Rican in black. He has a Puerto Rican flag tattooed on his hand. He always switches his allegiance depending on where he's at. 
I don't know, man. I can't, I can't trust Melo. And Melo is one of my favorite players of all time. He's literally one of my five favorite college players of all time. What, what, speaking of Melo's, what do you thought of uh, – I, I haven't seen much more than Twitter clips, but I know you're probably more in tune with me. How's LaMelo been looking? Have, have you been able to give him a watch yet at this point? I've seen clips of him. I mean, it's the, I mean he hasn't played a real game yet, but it's going to be interesting to see how they use him this year because they're actually healthy again. So I'm not sure if they're going to put Zach Collins on the bench and have Melo start. I doubt that. So that's going to be it. Melo has never played well off the bench, even though he's only done it one time in his career, really. Like, really, really? Like, they, they pushed him to the bench in, in Houston. I think he only played, like, one or two games before they cut him. But with the Thunder, he played off the bench. And he averaged, like, 13, 14, 15. So that's not nothing to snuff at. But Melo's a rhythm player. So it's going to be interesting to see him try to get his rhythm. I wonder – if who he's going to play with if he's coming off the bench you know if he's playing with that that kid who blew who, who came through in a bubble whose name is escaping me the guard I don't know if he's going to be happy with that because that kid's going to take a lot of shots he's going to have the ball in his hands going to take a whole lot of shots so it's going to be interesting to see how he moves man he's look he looks fine like he definitely looks like an older version of Carmelo Anthony but he looks like he's still in in pretty good shape because he came into the bubble in probably the best shape of his career do you think there's anyone close in terms of greatest Olympic basketball players? Because I, yeah. I feel like he, like he hits that new level that yeah. like no one, at least from a U.S. team perspective. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, there's so many stars, you know. So like yeah. you could throw out like a Sabonis from back in the day. Yeah, no, no, no. Know? We're going all American. I, I think that Carmelo Anthony is clear and easily the greatest American Olympic male Olympic basketball player. However, if we aren't just counting longevity, because he's the greatest because of longevity, that's really what it is. He's the great, he played a great, he won an MVP of the tournament and he's just a man Olympically. Yes. hundred percent. Not taking nothing away from that. Once again, top five favorite college player of all time. However, Charles Barkley did win player of the year in 1992 with the dream team. That says a lot. Like, that's you, look at that team. Like, there's never been any team that Melo was on except for the first Kobe team that you can even compare to the Dream Team. And the fact that Charles Barkley was the player of the Olympics on the Dream Team says a lot. You I'm know, sure Leitner was a close number two. <laughs> a, man, a man after your own heart, Christian Leitner. Yeah, yeah. We, Christian Leitner could be an entire episode. And it, it's like, so I think Charles Barkley's in that conversation. I think that there are some players who don't get the credit they deserve for being great in the Olympics because they played on teams that we don't care about. Like Scottie Pippen's in that conversation. Scottie Pippen was on the dream team and then he played in a, in, in 1996. And then I think he also was, it was almost on the 2000 team, but I, I don't know what happened with that. Miss back probably game out, but like he was amazing on that 96 team with Penny Hardaway and all of that. So if you go longevity, nobody can touch Carmelo Anthony. If you just go by, what you did at the Olympics, I think Charles Barkley is right there because how could you how could especially you not, for a single Olympics, yeah. Yeah, because like you look at look who's on that team. He's playing he's playing with the most overrated player that we know of, Carl Carl Malone. He he has all of these other That will players. be an episode at some point. A hundred percent. He has David Robinson. Like he he has literally like everything he needs to not do anything. And he's like, nah, I'm gonna hurt you. Yeah, I mean I'm just thinking so on our top 50 list, one 
Leitner's got to be probably the only one that wasn't on that list, correct? That was on that 92 team? I can't think of anyone else that we would have left off. Yeah, yeah, I think it was just Leitner. Which, you know, anyone with a brain could expect. Um, We'll have to redo that list at some point on on here, too. Uh, Kind of fine-tune that. Maybe even throw it up to 75, I believe, with that anniversary coming up. Um, I think I think we should. You know, what we should do. We should do that. We should do our t- our top fifty, or do a new top fifty, but do it by position. Okay. So, like, we we figure out the top fifty beforehand, and then on air we talk about position by position, who is what. That could get dangerous, but I'm I'm with it. <laughs> I, I think I, I already know the people that are really going to bother me when you disrespect, and probably vice versa. I'm not going to disrespect anybody who don't deserve disrespect. Like I'm not going to no like, no because you gave one just, person a lot of disrespect that who, very much who, does Bill who, Russell. I don't give Bill. Ru- I don't give Bill. He Russell. said he might not be top fifty. He may not be top. Okay, so when we were doing the top fifty list, it was not about accomplishment. It was about skill. Athletic. It was about literally as a basketball player, if you were drafting a player, is Bill Russell one of the 50 players that you're drafting based off basketball acumen? And he may, when I said it, I was like, he may not. And this is way before we started making the list. He easily made it. Like he was like in the 30-ish range when we talked about it. But like, if you think about it, who the hell wants a six seven center? Who, who says he has to play center for Ben in time? You know, you know, you know why? Who says that? Because he has no other skills. He's a track star. I've never seen Bill Russell dribble. I've never seen him dribble except for that double dribble he does right before he dunks (laughs) in that one highlight. That I'm like, yeah, it's a double dribble. (laughs) Hey, you know, he was a rare player back at that time frame. Uh, Maybe it was because he was left-handed, but he was one of the few people that could dribble with their left hand. I think that's something to be said. Bill Russell is top ten greatest American athlete ever. Yeah, and he was straight, not, he, he straight up probably could have I'm not probably could have been in the Olympics as a yes, hundred percent. I'm not taking anything away from Bill Russell, the athlete, Bill Russell, the person. I'm just talking about if you're looking at Bill Russell's game and who he is as a player, I think it's a legitimate conversation to be like, is Bill Russell a top 50 NBA player just on what you could do as a player, not what you did as a winner. None of that because we didn't we weren't thinking about that. We were literally talking about skill and and ability. That's all our list was. Like if you because we were talking so much shit about all a lot of players who have a lot of records. We were like, man, that motherfucker was just running up and down the court. Like we were talking real talk. It wasn't about what you accomplished because Bill no nobody could say anything to Bill Russell. Bill Russell was an icon, a hero in the black community, none of that. However, Bill Russell, and this is the narrative, and this is this is where you think the hate comes from. Bill Russell never beat Wilt Chamberlain. The Celtics beat the Sixers. Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain balled on Bill Russell. Like, it was never like, damn, Wilt didn't show up today. Wilt got 38 and 30. And they'd be like, damn, Wilt, Which, to be fair, that's an off night. (laughs) That's an off night. (laughs) When you're averaging 70 the rest of the games, 38's not very much. (laughs) You know what? You might got a point there. And then I'll always go, can you name me one Philadelphia Warriors or Philadelphia Sixers Will Chamberlain starting five? Paul Erzin. I said starting five. Not one player or two players. The five. That's not my job. I wasn't a fan of that. 
<laughs> I always say that to people. I'm like, we can name all – we probably can name the entire Celtics teams that Bill Russell played for because they're all in the Hall of Fame. Like every – Yeah, we, like, we woke up when we had to run into Gail Goodrich, Jerry West, and Elgin Baylor. <laughs> but at the same time, I couldn't tell you, like, half the people that were on the Colts when Brady was torching them either. But they didn't win. We broke yeah. through. We beat Bill Russell before. Like, it's not like Wilt never won. Like, Wilt won, and I think it was, like, 1956. Like, we he won. won no, there's no way it was 50. Well, if it was 56, that was pre-Russell. No, I think it wasn't it 56. I mean, Bill Russell was drafted. Oh, no, I, I, I apologize. Bill Russell was drafted in 1956, which also makes me need to give a shout-out to the man who was drafted above him by the Celtics. Uh, rest in peace to the late, great Tommy Heinsohn, uh, legend of the I'm game nice. in multiple nice. facets. Um, arguably, he is already in the Hall of Fame as a player and a coach. Arguably could be in as a broadcaster, given that he's done it for or did it for 39 consecutive uh, I years. I bangs with Tommy Heinsohn. He is literally living, breathing basketball. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah, what no. – I think that's where Larry Bird got it from, honestly. Like, when Bird was a player and then he went to a coach and then he became a commentator, I think he looked at Tommy Heinsohn like, I can do that. Yeah, no, and the beautiful thing about Tommy Heinsohn was you never had to wonder where he stood on things. Um, I think one of the writers said this about him. Um, They said, it was never about fairness. It was about the right and wrong being done to the Boston Celtics. That's Mm -hmm. how Tommy Heinsohn called basketball games. That's why many people didn't like him. Um, but you had to respect the authenticity uh, at all times. Um, but, yeah, you know, that, that's uh, something that is crazy to think that I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he also won Rookie of the Year uh, when Bill Russell was a rookie. So you're right. This guy might be a bum. <laughs> See, the thing is, I think that, yeah, so it's, it's like one of those things. Yeah, so the Sixers won in 55, Warriors won in 56. You know, so, like, it's not like we didn't beat the Celtics. It's just that I think that the narrative, the thing that I get frustrated with is when people act like Bill Russell literally dominated Will Chamberlain. And that um, I don't think that ever happened. I don't think there was ever a season when it was like, damn, Bill's in Russell's head, like Russell's in, in, in Wilt's head. Like, I don't think that ever happened. I think Bill Russell did what he needed to do on his side of the ball, averaging less than 18 points, whatever you want to take for that. And his team was super stacked. And I think that he is literally – Bill Russell should have statues in every major NBA city. Like, that's how highly I think of Bill Russell. However, if we're talking about as a player, we're not putting Draymond Green in the top 50, and he's a 6'7 center. What what would Bill Russell give us to, like, and once again, he made it comfortably. He was in, like, the early 30s. We did that. But, like, at the time going into it, thinking about every NBA player, this was also two years ago, over two years ago. This is before the, the Jokic era. This is before Joel actually played more than five games. This is like we were doing stuff before the, before the, ton, the, the dawn of this new NBA. And honestly speaking, you're not going to like this. Of course you're not. There's probably minimum of 10 players that are playing in the NBA today that was not on our list that are going to be in the top 50 when it's all said and done. And that's bad for Bill Russell. So, so here's the other thing. Do we need to make the list more than 50, or do we want to keep the cap? Hell no. No, we ain't okay. expanding it to include all these old Celtics. Fuck them. <laughs> I, we ain't going to have Hamlet dribbling I, in circles. I, 
Kuzi I, I don't think Kuzi made it. I don't, I don't think we let Kuzi in. But again, you bring up points per game. Um, Carl Malone had 25 points per game, and that guy's a bum, as we've uh, established and will continue to establish on this podcast. But True, but, but we also got actual footage of Carl Malone for an entire season. There's no entire Celtics season on tape before, like, 1964. I mean, it is what it is. I, I will say, <laughs> it's, it's so weird to look at some of these old stats where you say his career numbers were to average 22.5 rebounds a game. Like Cool. Cool. That's, like 22 that's, rebound game will get talked about for a week now. Listen, that's cute. That's amazing. Uh, I love it. Cool. All that's great. However, when you got Havlicek dribbling in circles and you got Dane pulling up for 45, which one is you going to take? Mm, got, got a factor in the bars on that too. <laughs> <laughs> got to go from all aspects. And, and, and Dame is playing in Adidas and Havlicek is playing in – Converse. Top converses. That might be a point for Havlicek. No, it ain't. <laughs> no, the fact that he can still move with zero ankle no. support. You know why? Because he's playing against 95% white dudes who are doing the same thing. Nope. <laughs> like, I can't. It ain't like he was playing against Grambling State and was getting buckets. Nah. They weren't letting. <laughs> it's kind of wild that uh, – because what, what was Bill wearing back then? He had con- the, the high top the for a while. He had the white converse. Yeah, him and Will. Yeah, the, and the fact that – he didn't bust out his shoes every single game is probably a miracle because all he did was run. It was probably because he probably doubled or tripled up on the socks. He probably like, cause they used to run in Converse. So when he was playing, yeah. when he was running track, he probably ran in Converse at some point. He was like, Oh, this is what I do. Kind of it's wild that they wore Converse cause that was just what they had. Also, Will like, Chamberlain like the was, technology in is sneakers is ridiculous now. I would have played in work boots over Converse, but like Will Chamberlain <laughs> also is a track and field legend in Pennsylvania. He held yep. the um the high jump, long jumping long record jump, yeah. until uh, Slate beat it. The, the um, running back used to play for West Virginia. He he's from peace from oh, Steve Slayton, yeah, yeah, Steve Slayton. He went to Conwell Egan and right outside of Philadelphia. Well, not really. It's like forty five minutes away. But, like, outside of Philadelphia, and he broke Wilt Chamberlain's record when I was in high school. That's how long Wilt Chamberlain's track and field records were in Pennsylvania. It's like, okay, cool. Man, that, that makes me want to, like, devote an episode into digging into some of those West Virginia teams and, and some of those random, like, all-time college teams, like the Pat White era, the Steve Slayton era. The, 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 the Jay Will and Randy Moss era. It, let's not forget about uh, Chad Pennington on the on the Marshall teams. About Chad Pennington. Has West Virginia ever won any championships in basketball or football? Like, major, um, not, not the division of conference championships. I mean, like, actual national championships. Because they always have competitive teams. I want to say they did with Jerry West. Jerry West didn't win really much anything in his entire life. That's true. <laughs> like he, he, he was uh, always the bridesmaid for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, he won MVPs. Even the final, he's the only, he's the last person to win a Finals MVP without winning the championship. But like, he never really won the big one until other people helped him. So I'm not sure if he won the national championship. Okay, so here's the answer uh, per Wikipedia. This is a very West Virginia thing. Um, allegedly, they won the men's basketball national championship in 1942, marked as uh, not being bestowed by the NCAA. Next. 
Uh, wait, wait, have, wait, 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 wait. What does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know. There's no link. Otherwise, I'd give you more information. I'll, I'll do some <laughs> wait, research wait, wait, and get back wait, wait, to you. <laughs> wait, Ivan, it says they won a championship in 1942, but the NCAA has never said they were the champions. Is that basically what it says? Yeah, no, that's pretty much it. Uh, <laughs> but, no, no, it gets better. Wait, wait, wait. 19... wait. So, what, so West Virginia is like, you know, this is ours. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, that's pretty much how I'm reading it, and it's on the Wikipedia page. Uh, 1938 national champions in men's boxing. And so that's one. Wait, wait, wait. Um, you said 1938? Correct. All right, they wasn't fighting black people. Okay, you can have that. Of course Continue. not. Um, the next sporting event uh, that they have championships in uh, are the remaining 19 national championships recognized by the NCAA. Do you want to take a guess at what that sport is? Remember, West Virginia. Mm, okay, okay. Is it multiple sports or is it one sport? One sport and co-ed. One, is it bowling? No, it's better. All right, all right. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let, me get, let me get two more guesses. All right, I thought bowling was a good guess. I was like, ooh, bowling. All right, co-ed, uh, West Virginia. We know there's no drinking Olympics yet in the NCAA. There's also no nor, couch- nor has uh, couch burning been. Yeah, recognized. couch burning hasn't made it in yet. Hmm. Okay. Just missed co-ed. the cut this year, from what I heard. <laughs> co-ed ping pong, rifle shooting. Right, of course, West Virginia. <laughs> yep. There you go. Yeah. No, that's uh, 19 of their 20 national titles are in rifle shooting. Isn't isn't there? And West Virginia is not that far from like major military bases too. So that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, but. Probably the closest that they've had otherwise might be that football team. Um, that Steve Slayton one? Steve Slayton. Pat White. Uh, Pat White. Pat White. Uh, <laughs> Pat McAfee got himself some death threats playing on that team for some missed field goals, uh, I believe, against Pitt. That team was so exciting. So, And no one that isn't like our age knows who they are. Not at because all. Because they didn't win anything. Pat White went to the Dolphins. Steve Dolphins. Slate went to the Texans, I think, yep. and just flamed out. Yeah, but yeah. No, well, they were they were like the greatest thing I'll, ever. I will I will say though that the reason why I think Pat White and Steve Slate inflamed out was because one they went to bad franchises at that time, but two they both had really bad injuries. Like man, I remember Pat White getting that nasty concussion, and I don't think he was yep. ever the same. And I think Steve Slayton blew his knee out. So, like, I think that that's, that, that helped with it, too. Like, also, when your quarterback's getting sacked the most times in NFL history, what are you going to do with a run game? Like, it's just like, like Steve Slayton was out there like, I can run really fast and I can run really strong, but I can't get the ball because they're sacking my quarterback on hand. They were – I remember watching David Carr and feeling so bad for him because I was a David Carr fan coming in. Like, I didn't know him before he got to the and I was like, oh, I looked at some tape. He looks, he looks like he's going to be a guy who's going to be good enough. Not, not like John Elway, but good enough. And I remember him getting hit so much. Like, I remember him trying to hand the ball off and getting hit before he could hand the ball off. With that, what are you going to do? Yeah, I was thinking as well, just like other names that come to mind in that Pat White, Steve Slayton uh, style of, of uh, career pathing. The one oh, that comes to mind for me, above all else, because when I watched this dude back in 06, 07, like I thought this guy might – be the most exciting quarterback of all time. You probably already know where I'm going. Yeah. Dennis yeah. Dixon. Yeah. Dennis Dixon was so nice. For Oregon, right? Oregon. Yeah. Him and Jonathan yeah. Stewart. Um, like, I think that was the first time I had ever seen the read option. And I was like, 
this should not be allowed. I don't think he ever gained weight. I think that was his big one of his biggest issues. Like he looked like he weighed a hundred and six. He looked like he weighed as much as Iverson did, but he was like seven inches taller. It's like, yeah. dude. He he. I want to say like I I he popped up on Instagram or something for me a couple years ago, and he is like enormous now. Like like sorry, no, no, I I misworded that. Like jacked enormous. Like he's like a personal trainer, just yoked. And I was like, he was a man. Beast. If you had like an ounce of this when you were playing. He I mean, was, he and then he he also got the reverse of the Pat White Steve Slayton issue. Well, one he got the ACL tear in college that really hurt, but then he got drafted to a good team. Yeah, and just you know flamed out being Ben Roethlisberger's backup for a few years. Dixon to me, and he wasn't as prolific, so I hope people don't think that I'm saying that he was the same exact thing. But he was RG three before RG three. Yeah. Yeah, Dixon he had it all. Look, he had oh my every gosh. tool. He would throw the deep ball. He would run it 60 yards. And it was, you know, another player who's in that same vein for me who was, like, an amazing college player who you thought, like, he's too, he's too explosive to not make it work. Job at best. Yeah. There's a I, – yeah, I mean, there's, like, a laundry list of running backs that I thought would pan out. Like, even, like, Amir Abdullah. Like, when he Ooh. was at Nebraska – Ooh, he was a problem I heard a long time Amir yeah Abdullah. well I was just thinking guys that went to the Lions <laughs> um, and didn't work for either of them you know but there's so many of them I mean running back is a weird position where one wrong move one tweak and it's done See, so but I feel like I also disagree with you because I feel like running back's the easiest position to actually translate if you actually work to make it work like I don't think I don't think being a running back in the NFL and being a running back in a in a NCAA is that much different if you know what type of running back you are. Like I think when the Saints tried to make Reggie Bush an every down back in the NFL, they fucked up. But when they were like, "Oh, you can catch eighty yeah, balls third down back," yeah, yeah, okay, we're gonna do that. You can run back punch. We're gonna do that. You know, like I think that they messed it. I think when they realized who he was, it worked out. Because a running back, you're not making that many reads. You're not having the ball. You were literally there to be like, yo, run this in here. Okay. And I think that the ones who don't translate, I look at them more than I look at the, the organization. Unless the organization is just a crapshoot. Because there are a lot of bad organizations. But for the most part, if you are running back and you can't run, what is going on? Yeah. Uh, also, I still can't believe that Reggie Bush ever got up from that hit from Sheldon Brown. Oh, my gosh. Just as a side note. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. His mouth and nose were bleeding. I remember him crawling on his knees in the dome, and that's one of my favorite Eagles memories ever, ever. Like, I mean, ever. Even once before I was born, I've seen a lot of those plays. Like, Concrete Charlie in the mud with his hands up because he just killed 17 people. Like, all of that's dope. That hit that Sheldon Brown gave Reggie Bush, and Reggie Bush is wearing gold-plated cleats. Don't forget that. We were literally like the most blue-collar team and Reggie Bush on the field with 18-carat cleats. And we he hit him all cleats in the air. And I was like, this is amazing. This is I'm, I'm pulling it up to rewatch this now. Uh, we got the all-22. If I'm not mistaken, Adidas gave Reggie Bush gold-plated cleats for that game. It's literally a, gold. I'm, I'm going to share my screen. We can watch this. Yeah. Uh, You're a good man. Get this You're live reaction. I mean, this was just... I don't know that disrespectful is the word. I, I still struggle to think of many more vicious hits than this. 
Like this, this is the, the easiest. Fl- the, the, there's a guaranteed flag on this if this happened today. Guaranteed. Welcome to the NFL. And he wasn't wearing his gold plated cleats in this one, but I guarantee you that Adidas. I remember Adidas gave him in a in a in a in a case. So he had his regular cleats on, as we can see, but he literally crawled his way to the sideline, and it was infamous. This is welcome to the NFL. I think this was his first year. I, I think that'd be about right, yeah, because his first year was 06. Yeah, I mean, he just – you don't get a cleaner hit off than this. And it was clean. It literally was clean. He didn't do anything dirty. Yeah. The, the, another one that I think of was I know Brandon Browner's had a few of these. Um, <laughs> Dude, that just, is so crazy. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, no, like that was one that you would expect from the Legion of Boom. Like that, that, that is the type of, you know, hit that endears no, you to that it. type of mentality. No, that's the type of hit you would expect from the 1985 Bears. <laughs> like that, that man was crawling on national. This was the playoffs. He was crawling on national TV. Like crawling. Yeah, that, was, that was a Buddy Ryan hit right there. That was, you can pick up your paycheck in the back. Yeah. You earned it. That legitimately is like, you come holler at me in the alley. <laughs> like I got something yeah. for you. If you if you had to if you had to in our in our lifetime so I'm not 1990 and on because I'm I'm born in 1990. Do you believe you can field a team of NFL players that are greater than any team that could be fielded before 1990? Uh, all around skill, yeah. I agree, I, I, but you know I, I think there's there's something for just the evolution of the game. There's also, you know, modern medicine. You know, these guys are one now game. one game, one game, not a whole season, one game. Right. No, but I'm also saying like these guys, their bodies are just like from age 12 now, like perfectly manicured to be these weapons See, in, in I the agree. NFL. I agree with you, but I don't think it translates to all sports. So I don't even know if it's like an NFL thing or is it just happens to be a. I don't think it's a sports thing. I think it's a specific sport thing. Like I think. I mean, I think basketball for sure. Yeah, because um, now they actually train. Like John Solly said it best. He's like, when I was in the NBA, we worked out. They train now. That's different. Yeah. Like, like you get the LeBrons where he puts a million dollars, or Russell Wilson does the same thing, like over a million dollars into his body. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, no, you don't got to convince me that LeBron is on HGH. Bro, um, a million and a half dollars a year on your body? What are you doing? Yeah, but like – I'm just being real. There was, there, was no one, there was no one doing a Tom Brady diet in the 1980s. That's a fact. Unless by a dietitian they could not eat other foods, no one was eating as clean as these guys do or putting in the, like, crazy off-season regimen that they are. Yeah, yeah. However, though, no one was training with knives like Aaron Donald does. Maybe Lawrence Taylor, but but, Aaron Donald is a little bit different. No, he was just using those knives to cut up coke. But I will say this, though. Just because they're better athletes don't make them better players. And I think that that's the difference. Like, you can argue that the NBA is as deep as it's ever been when it comes to athletes. But can we argue that the NBA is as deep as it's ever been when it comes to great, not good, but great players? That's a question. That's a real question. I think that... I think that if, if we made everything equal, like if we gave Muhammad Ali the same workout regimen that Floyd Mayweather uses, could you argue that Muhammad Ali would be greater? You probably could. So if we put if we made everything equal, that's what I mean. Like if we made everything okay, equal, okay, okay, no, okay. So I'm I'm glad you were that way. So basically, what you're saying is, if Larry Bird wasn't paving driveways, 
If Larry Bird wasn't a dickhead, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, he'd be putting up 35 right now, a night. And it pisses me off because you know I love Larry Bird. That's why I get so mad about it. I'm like, dude, what the hell's wrong with you? Like, yeah. but yeah, all, so like, all, I, all-star player, paving like, yeah, parents' drivers. Look at, how, look at how much people slob on, on Luka Doncic's you-know-what. Mm-hmm. And also Paul George just passed it to the referee out of bounds when nobody was in the corner. But was he open? <laughs> he was. So, like, Good pass. <laughs> and Luka wasn't even half the player Larry Bird was. So, like, mm-hmm. and they are already saying, like, this is a new Larry Bird. I'm like, he don't play defense. How can you be the new Larry Bird? Yeah. I mean, he's white, and he's, like, six seven, six. Well, no, yeah, like, he's smaller than Larry, too. Like, that's another. Like, I, I genuinely think that's something that people either don't know or seem to forget about Larry Bird. He wasn't, like, a wing player. Like, he was as big as half these modern-day centers. Yes. He is bigger than Draymond. We just had a six seven center yeah. conversation. <laughs> Larry Bird will be playing center today in small ball. And crushing oh, it. And crushing I, it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, like, Jokic is almost a more fair comparison in terms of size and passing ability. And then you give him being one of the greatest shooters to ever walk the earth. And, yeah, he'd be a problem. No, so I do think when it comes to the NFL, though. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. Before, before we go to the NFL, I had to look yeah. it up. Larry Bird, 897 games played. We can argue that only 800 of those games he was healthy. So it was over the 97 were just games. He averaged 24.3 points a game, 10 rebounds on the dot, and 6.3 assists. That career average would be the highlight of Jokic's season. Yeah. That's, That's insane. I, I don't like, think that, it, you know, with that, there is no even close to fair comp. And he apart was six from like, 20. in a very <laughs> different way, like, that complete of a player, you have to look at the LeBrons. Uh, he I just six, got the pass out of Brown. He was 6'9", 220. Oh, you just got the pass out of bounds? Terrible. Yeah. He's on my fantasy good, team, too. Good swing pass. I, I, we had a, I got roped into an fan, NBA fantasy draft, and he's on my team, too. So, like, I'm looking at that. That was like, a mistake. You, you needed nah, to hire I got, me. I got, I got him, no, I got him in the, in the third or fourth round, so it was a good value pick. Mm, he'll never make it to the third or fourth round. Listen, I'm a, you messed up. Listen, I'm a, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you right now my fantasy basketball team. You tell me if it's trash. Are we gonna do this? You only get two answers: trash or it passes. Trash okay. or pass. Trash or pass. I got you. Trash or pass, baby. So this is this is my fantasy team. <clears throat> no order. It's just how the lineup is. Okay, and ESPN's app just crashed on me. Hold on one second. Let me pull it right Love back. Yeah, haters gonna hate. All right, fantasy basketball. Philadelphia Nationals is my team. I got the Iverson and the, the Syracuse National Jersey because why not? Damian Lillard. Passing like Donovan. Steve Nash. Wait, wait. I also got to tell you that this league, the highest points you can get are for defensive um, plays and scoring explosions. So, like, blocks and steals are, like, four points each. This sounds like, like a very, like, I, I don't know why. It's like, this is a very Northeast, like, 100%. Playground ball rules. Oh, 100%. And I very much appreciate this. Oh, I'm down. I'm so down. I was like, yeah, leave that right where it's at. I'm, I'm going to draft smartly with this. All right, so my team is Dame Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Paul George, Draymond Green, Joel Embiid, Chris Paul, Aaron Gordon, Marcus Smart, Miles Turner, Karis LeVert, Brooke Lopez, Harrison Barnes, Kimball Walker on IR. So I picked up Kalen Hayes until Kimball Walker comes back. How do you feel I like about it? I like it. Um... I had, I, an eighth like, pick. I had an eighth pick, by the way. So, like, I had to, like, wait 
around so to who, get my Who's picks your up. number one, Joe? No, my number one was Dame. Oh, Dame. Yeah, sorry. Um, it, it's one of those weird things. It's like I would never really want Donovan Mitchell like on my actual team, but I do see the value from a fantasy perspective because he's going to have those 50-point nights. Gonna he's going to take 45 shots to get there. Probably. So did it Kobe. doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His PER is going to be dog shit, but hey, it still counts. So I, I like it. Um, playoff P, the defense should help. You would hope. That's, that's, that's why I drafted Paul George. I drafted Paul George strictly because I know on defensive, he makes plays even when his offense is trash. So, like, in my mind, he's going to get steals. He's going to get blocks. He's going to get rebounds. And anything ever than that is a bonus because my team is going to score. Like, I have Dame Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, MB, Chris Paul, Aaron Gordon, um, Karis LeVert. Like, those guys are going to score. Like, I'm yeah, not I, I like the insurance on Kawhi load management nights, too. Like, he might pop for 40. Mm-hmm. Like, he does kind of have that random streak in him. And, obviously, uh, the MVP of your team is Marcus Smart. As, you, you know, it's funny. I drafted Marcus Smart earlier than he was expected to go by two rounds because I was like, y'all don't understand that this guy's going to play point guard and shooting guard. And no matter what he gives you on offense, defense wins is going to win his league. And he was first team all defense last year, wasn't he? Yeah. He, he got – him and Ben got robbed of being the finalist for uh, defensive players. Oh, I was pissed. Also, I was pissed that Joel Embiid didn't make any defensive team when he literally – I looked at the stats two days ago before I did this draft – Joel Embiid stopped more points at the rim than anybody in the NBA last year. Yeah, no, it was a weird popularity contest, um, as, as per usual. But, yeah, no, and Marcus said he's going to be trying to be better with his shot selection this year. Um, I, I, I don't buy it, but. I think, no, he's going to, but he also shot 40% on pull-up threes last year, so. It's hard in the bubble, he was cooking. He was cooking. So, like, to me, what Kimba out, and I also got Kim and Kimba on purpose, because I know Marcus Smart's going to ball out probably when Kimba's out and when Kimba's back. He still actually might start because he can play shooting guard. Yeah, I, I don't want him to start him. Just I like him off the bench, but we'll, we'll see how they run it. I think they're going to start him because I don't think Kimba's going to be able to play 30 minutes a game into the playoffs. I think with the type of knee injury he has – I think they're going to go in like 20 to 25 to 20 to maybe even 30 minutes, but nothing over really 30 until late season, early playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the one nice thing about the Celtics rosters, for better or for worse. They have a ton of guys with no one position. So they can kind of mix and match uh, to a degree. Nah, which man, is... you, know what it, you know how it goes. It's just like the NFL. If you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. Fuck the Celtics. No, we don't have – but we don't have two people in one position. We have one guy that plays three positions. You have nobody that can play anything. Fuck you. I'm lying. I'm hating. It is what it is. Oh, man. You, you guys might win a game against us in the playoffs this year. We're actually – we are 100% a better team right now. If you look at our team and your team, your team looks pretty rough right now. Y'all be lucky to be the fifth seed this year. You think? 100%. Okay, okay. So, that, that's an interesting um, 100%. question. Who do, like, who do you think is going to end up as, like, the contenders? Like, do you think the Heat were a bubble thing? You think they can maintain that? You think Lakers gonna run it again? So if we go if we go east, I think the Heat are a top four team in the East. So if we go top four, if we go just in no order, no order in the East, you all aren't better than the Nets. They You're look not. scary tonight. They look they made they made the Warriors look like a high school team. 
So y'all not better than the Nets. They got that. They got some scary depth. I'll I'll give them that. But it, uh, I only give it to like the All Star break before Kyrie starts being super toxic, and then we'll revisit. Uh, see, to me, honestly speaking, I I'm considering them better than y'all, even if Kyrie. To me. I'm assuming Kyrie's going to be toxic. Like, I'm not even looking at it like all things are roses. Like, I'm in my mind, I'm looking at it like – If all things are roses, they might be the best team in the league. <laughs> I, I, if everything works out the way it's supposed to be – Which, shout-out to Steve Nash run, running the ship, my guy. Shout-out to Steve Nash, who won two MVPs and was never the best player in the NBA any time in his career, maybe not even top five. Still counts. But, huh? Still counts. Oh, no, 100% still counts. Just like it still counts that John Stockton's the all-time assist and still is leaving though Magic Johnson at HIV. Like, it still counts, but, like, eh, eh. I think John I mean, St- I mean, speaking of John Stockton, to bring up uh, another uh, solid point, Carl uh, Malone has a ton of points, but he had John Stockton feeding him the ball. 100%. Like, I, I think John Stockton is arguably, and I think it's a, it's a loose argument that he's top five point guard ever. Arguably. But I can also give you five point guards that I would rather have over John Stockton if you're going straight prime. Because I don't. Think I mean, John if we're going Stockton, straight prime, I'm probably taking even like the Dames over him. I'm not taking Dame Lillard over John Stockton. No, not yet, not yet, not yet. John, once again, Dame Lillard doesn't play defense. Like John Stockton was a two way player. I give him. I got to give him. That's true. That's true. I, I will say it was. I was very happy, even though they got thrashed. I think. Uh, you know, just going back to that Nets Warriors game, I think people have some people, I should say, have forgotten how good Steph Curry is, and he didn't look at his best tonight, but he was. Like, he got almost thirty points tonight. He still played well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, at one point he had twenty points. I think he was seven twenty shooting, two of ten from three. You know, he wasn't like. But I mean, yeah. it's his first game back, he so also, you know, he also it's fine. Had three half court heaves too, so I don't even look at that. But here's the thing. His movement is so different than, like, pretty much anyone else. No, like he his, didn't, his movement is is Rip Hamilton, Reggie Miller. Yeah, no, no. no. I mean, like in today's game. Like, oh, yeah. No, no one, no one's on his level the way yeah, no, he can no. move. Nobody runs off screens at all like Steph Curry. Steph Curry is better. This is maybe a hot take. I don't know if it is. Steph Curry is easily better without the ball than he is with the ball. Like Steph yeah. Curry has one of the greatest handles ever but he doesn't really go anywhere with his handle. Like, Kyrie tries to get open with his handle. Like, you see Kyrie dribble, he's dribbling with a purpose. When I look at Steph Curry dribbling, he's dribbling to dribble. Like, it's just like I'm dribbling and waiting for a screen. I'm dribbling, and I might have to pull up. It never feels like he has a purpose. When I look at certain people who has handled, they're doing their handle for a specific reason. Steph is just showing off. So when Steph doesn't have the ball, he is way more dangerous to me because – he is jumping back and forth from between screens. He's cutting through things. He might draw a foul on you because he's so slight. Like, when he has the ball, like, even tonight, when he had the ball, Kyrie was like, yeah, I see you have the ball. What are you going to do with it? And i never seen him get by Kyrie, and Kyrie's not a good defender, except for when there was a screen. Yeah. It, it, it's uh, And that's what makes him so scary when the full team is healthy, is you just sit Draymond at the top of the key and let Steph and Clay run around screens all over the court, and one of them's going to be open. I didn't realize how much I miss Clay Thompson until he got hurt again. Yeah, like that was sad. That one like, hurt I, me. That one hurt. I legitimately was sad, and once again, maybe a hot take. I think Clay Thompson is a top ten shooting guard ever. I mean, ever. I'd, I'd need to make a list, but ever, 
two way. And I, don't I hate got it. him above. And I got him above some of our high top fifty draft picks. I think he's a greater shooting guard than Clyde Drexler. That was the name I was. That was the first one I was going to ask. And I okay. think Clyde Drexler is literally better than almost anybody who's played two guard after him. Like I think Clyde Drexler is so great that we minimize it because he played around Jordan. Yeah, he he uh, was definitely always one overshadowed by Mike, and then kind of in the later years, you know, he was sharing with maybe the greatest big man of all time of the modern years, apart from Shaq. I think um, Hakeem, and even then, might still be better than Shaq. It, it, from I, an all-around perspective, I think you I can make Hakeem, an argument. Yeah, I think. Well, Akeem Olajuwon, even the Hakeem, I think that he is the greatest big man of the '90s. And Shaq played in the '90s, won his first championship in '99, 2000. I think he's the greatest big man of the '90s. I think Patrick Ewing is overrated. I think he was great, but I think he's overrated. I think that Hakeem Olajuwon not only could move, he could shoot a little bit, nothing crazy like dirt, but he could shoot a little bit. He was stronger than people realized. He is still the all-time leader in block shots in NBA mm-hmm. history. He had an unstoppable post move, unlike um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, like, which is still pisses me off that nobody's learned the dream hook. But I think Hakeem – and he played a lot of games. Like I think people forget Hakeem Olajuwon was almost never hurt as a big man. Yeah, and I, I think if when especially when you look at '95, it's not that he wasn't you know like in today's NBA you could argue that the lack of every team having a dominant big man makes the few dominant big men that much more dominant. Uh, to run through the people that Hakeem ran through in the '95 playoffs, uh, Charles Barkley, uh, David Robinson, who was the MVP that year who robbed Hakeem, Hakeem Olajuwon's MVP from him that year. Uh, and then he swept Shaq in the finals. And it wasn't that the same year where David Robinson played dropped like 71. 40. Yeah, I was about to say, he played 48, like 40 minutes just to drop 71, so he made sure he won the scoring championship that year. Yeah, yeah, that was the year he dropped 71. Um, but give me Hakeem over him. Dude, I'll take, uh, take Hakeem Olajuwon over – Every center except for maybe two or three in NBA history. Like, I think and I, I think the, the the other argument for him, even against some of those other ones, he gives you so many options if you're making a five. You know, Shaq's dominant, but he's going to be in the paint. Like, Akeem, I think you could argue translates more to this, you know, uh, spread offense NBA that we have where, like, he could be out by the perimeter – yeah, making and, stuff happen. Ball like if you put the ball in his hands in today's NBA, he'd be fine. Like he could run that point center. It just wasn't a position at the time. And you got to remember, Hakeem's gonna be in shape. Yeah, like that. That's a that's a big that's a major thing. Like Shaq was so great that he could be out of shape and still be MVP. Like that's insane. Hakeem Olajuwon, I don't think he was ever out of shape, even when he played for the fucking SuperSonics. No, that wasn't Supersonics. He played for – no, he played for the Raptors. Raptors. Yeah. Patrick Ewan played for the Supersonics. Yeah. When he played for the Raptors, he was still in shape and still could move and still could be nimble and all that kind of stuff. And I think that people – I think people discredit the big man nowadays because people hated on how important the big man used to be. I think the big man was – big man was the quarterback of the NBA. And then as soon as wing players was like, no, we're not doing that, everybody bid on that. But – 
Kendrick Perkins had a great example. He said there's never been an NBA champion. There's almost never been an NBA championship without a legitimate starting center. Like there's almost never been one. And that says a whole lot about the center position. Yeah. It's definitely one of those game changers. And even like, it doesn't have to even be a superstar. Like, Mm-mm. you know, it could be, you know, and he, he was a star at this point, you know, pre-injuries, but Andrew Bynum wasn't going to like carry a team by himself to the playoffs. Mm-mm. But when you put him in as the third option, dude was probably an all-star. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting argument. You know, I'm trying to think of teams that have done it without uh, a center. And it's probably the teams that somehow also were in the years where they came up against a team that didn't have a center. Or, you know, kind of the stretch four thing. Like, you could argue um, the 2011 Mavs didn't really have a center. Tyson Chandler. Tyson Chandler. Oh, they did have Tyson Chandler. Mm-hmm. The name that came to mind first was Brian Cardinal. So I, oh, I was, yeah. Uh, Shout out to the custodian. One of the I greatest. Was the custodian a little hate history. there. But, yeah, they had Tyson Chandler. And Tyson Chandler was yeah. literally uh, – if he didn't make the all-star team in Charlotte, he was a fringe all-star. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes, makes it much more true. Um, you know, even like the Andrew Bogut's. Like, just a serviceable Dude, center. He's a for, former number one pick. And so is Andrea Bargnani, though. No, but Bargnani could ball. Like, that's the, see, that's the thing, though. I'm not saying that he was great, but he could yeah. ball. Bargnani, I wouldn't be surprised if Bargnani's career average is like 15 or 16 points a game. That's, you know there's Hall of Famers who only average 16 points a game. Yeah, Bill Russell. <laughs> I think Bill Russell was like 14 and a half. But, yeah, sure, we could take uh, It was 15, I think. I looked. <laughs> that is trash. 15 that's awful but buddy. again he had nine other hall of famers on his team that were shooting oh he was one of seven black people in the nba yo get your points cuz what you doing man <laughs> for the race <laughs> uh, he, he, I, I think he was a little uh preoccupied with the fighting for racial equality thing off the court how convenient <laughs> I mean, he, he had he had casey jones sam jones jojo white satch sanders he, he the other seven people were also on his team, apart from yeah, Will four, There was four black people on the Celtics out of the seven in the NBA. Yes, you're not wrong. And all <laughs> I, of them, I think they were the first to have a all black starting five in the NBA. Is that correct? I don't think that's correct. I think they still have all. I think they always snuck in a white guy. Like I feel it's like they now. <laughs> I, I really do feel like they always snuck in a white dude. It was like, oh, okay, the last remnants of Bob Cousy's in the starting lineup. Interesting. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm pretty sure about this one. Let's see. Let's look it up. Look it up. Yep. Yeah, no, it was uh, Casey Jones, Willie Knowles, uh, Satch Sanders, Bill Russell, and Sam Jones. And was that the opening? 63. Was that the uh, Bob Cousy must have been sick that day. I was about to say, was that the opening night starting lineup? Ah, uh, no, it was uh, – oh, no, sorry. It wasn't Cousy. It was Heinsohn. We should have known better. It was uh, the day after Christmas, 1964, uh, looks like. So, Tommy was hungover. Yeah, they were like, listen, you got you guys, you dark guys got it tonight. Like that wasn't the real starting lineup. That was like, yeah, we made it work. It wasn't like it wasn't like uh UTEP or or Texas Western, what they used to be called, where they started all five people in the NCAA tournament, like, no, we're gonna go straight black. <laughs> like they they were okay. the first so NCAA as a follow up they were the first they, NCAA team ever to start five black players. Yeah, shout out to Texas Western. 
You dick. Uh, they won. So it wasn't a one-time thing. Um, so they started off down 15 in the first quarter. Um, shout out to the St. Louis Hawks. Um, and then the Celtics outscored them 48 to 25 in the second half. Uh, won the game by 13 and won the next 11 games with the same all black lineup. So they it wasn't so much a fluke. They were yeah, no, no, for sure. People thought that was sorcery or quite uh, literally black magic. They probably looked at it down and were like, what are you wearing on your feet? These are Nikes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get that booby miles footwear in. <laughs> that should be episode two. Greatest players who never were. Are we talking real or fictional? Booby Miles is real. Oh, okay. No, but I, I mean, I feel like he's been. But I mean, we could go outside of that too. But yeah, we can. Okay. Okay, we can do that. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them, dude. Like you already know who's in my top ten. He was he was supposed to be a Celtic, but never actually played. I I do. There, there's multiple people within the Celtics organization that could be put on such a list. I'm not on my list. I, I know which one you're going to go with. I can't stomach. I can't stomach more than one Celtic on my list. So he's the one. Okay. Yeah. The, the, we can come up with a few in every sport. I think it's probably a good place to leave it. Uh, I trust our knowledge on this one. I think we'll have some interesting names. Uh, might be getting a Pokey Reese mention. Listen, I um, love Pokey Reese. Andy Reese is always in. And I'm mentioning a guy who was a multiple all-star and MVP candidate, but he never reached actual maximum. It's going to put that yeah, out. no, I think there, I think there's going to be a few of those. There's a couple that come to mind uh, on my end as well with that, mm-hmm. or situations didn't work. So, um, but yeah, that's episode two. Something to look forward to in episode three. Um, see what we dig up. And don't buy shrimp chips. Don't do it. Um, you could try it, but I wouldn't. It smells like. <laughs> smells, last thing I'm gonna say. <laughs> This bag of shrimp chips smells like. <laughs> All right, come on, get what, what brand? We we gotta we gotta out them here. This call B shrimp chips. This C A L B E E. Yes, this bag of shrimp chips smells exactly like what the female lacrosse coach told us his team smelled like after practicing in August. That's what this bag of shrimp chips smell like, like a can of tuna that was left in the sun too long. That's what this smells like. Is it good? Who knows? I didn't like them, but I've eaten 10 of them. Maybe there's MSG in it. Maybe it's cocaine. Either way, black people ain't supposed to live that long anyway. Reese Thompson. Six pack on Amazon Prime for $17. Go get your fix. Hey, 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 look. It's that shit that made me ball out on my old bitch, ooh Yeah, I'm chosen, I ain't felt this six is COVID, ooh Can't control it, I got lit and now I'm zoning, ayy This my moment, I don't trust no hoe, I'm boning, ooh Maury Povich, I made a change, I had to be different I hate when I'm stuck on the edge I ain't got time to argue with niggas, I'd rather get money instead Word of my folks, we used to be close, and so now I'm just stuck in my head I wanted a rose, but I like the ghost If I make a love to the dead, love to the dead Nobody fuck with me, nobody noticed them Now I'm that nigga, they salty and sodium Bitch, I'm the bomb, I lift up a plutonium Feet on the ground, I'm breaking linoleum This is revenge, and all of you owe me When shorty my bitch, but she ain't the only one Yeah, I'm a god, I know I'm the only one I do not smoke, but you gotta roll me When you gotta, you gotta roll me When she got a twin, and I need the both of them Streets can't hold me, we in the 
not friends, so please don't blow me. Bitch, come blow me. Pull up my mamba, R.P. Kobe, that's my OG. Still no Grammy, but I got trophies. Then I went OT. Text me low key, water emoji. Feeling myself like, look what I built, like, look at my wealth. I did what I felt, I bet on myself, reinvent on myself. All the plaques I got won't fit on my shelf. I'm sick of myself, jumped out of my skin, hopped in on my shell. I'm feeling quite well, you ain't been in my prison, won't fit on my cell, won't fit on my pants. Don't look at my belt, I mean what I say and I say what I meant, my nigga. I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by 6, my nigga. I built my own empire to get to my kids, my nigga. Try to do everything with them that I never did, my nigga. I went through the storm, but I made a way, so I'll be alright. If you never cry, me, you did me wrong, I got you for life. I, stand on that. I build a team of sharks, and all of them niggas are bite. I stand on that. If you got an enemy, I got an enemy. Get him on sight. Play with my feelings and you gon' catch feelings Your people gon' feel it I ran with the villains Was willing and dealing I'm worth a few million I'm chasing the billion I'm up like a ceiling I'm really a real A bachelor of peace from the soil And you can get popped like a boil Bitch boy you gon' leak like some oil Walk up on me and I'm dumping As long as I can see it coming It's on If I run out of ammo I'm running I'm gone even though I'm an animal Long as I done made it home Got a family to feed and I'm grown And good lord baby strong Highly favored and chosen My heart made a stone I guess you could say frozen So leave me alone I'm unbroken I've spoken I stand by my word cause it's golden Out here in the Pacific Ocean West Coast Don't let a hoe make us enemies We family just like the Genovese Stick to the script we don't do sucker shit and we deep like a herd of them wildebeest Trademarks and entities, no I ain't selling Look like I push dope but I really push hope Dress like a boss but I rap like I'm broke You offer parole to make sure that you vote My ninja you're not alone My post for the grab with my money phone Turn my bands to a fan like I'm hella young Take a picture with money all down my arm Just to show we the same but though I'm reformed Diamonds yellow like kettle corn I never drive it but trust me I got a form Fuck politics and democracy Let's put our money together by property I came in the game with a prayer and a wish and a dream I stand on that Vow to take care of my kids and my family and queen I stand on that This game that I'm spitting is over the head like a drum I stand on that If we rockin', we rockin', I rock what you right or you wrong I stand on that It's a resurgence on thorough ones, gotta stay solid and stiff I stand on that Can't be an imposter, a fraud, a fake, or a counterfeit I stand on that Some of my dudes got jobs and some of them sell narcotics I stand on that I'm an entrepreneur, I develop my own products King of, the, king of the South, but your music original. Former pharmacist, be back, I'm medicinal. Lay down the law and I'm standing on principles. Consequences come with it, make it intentional. All of your visual haunted, ignore me. I grew up on game for too short and need 40. Your triple OG and you're about to be 40. Still run up on me, we'll be popping these 40s. We not going for it. I know you can't see the tree for the forest. Let the allure, money and whores. Take you to a place where your ass will get torn. Okay, now you've been warned. Only one more suggestion before we move on. Pray to the Lord that you can afford. What it gonna cost you for you to move forward in life? Facing the working scenario without a planet of dead, you're rolling the dice. Get a high that day. Who the fuck Ray D guy? Been fucking on your bitch all day. She don't wanna weigh me back. Okay, high energy. Of all the survey of the sovereignty. I'm probably in a fly booty with a low key freak trying to try new things. King! They say things, I do things. I buy buildings, they buy new bling. Make your bitch my boot thing. Got a problem with it, let my younger run through things. Stand up, guy must stand for something. Cross that line, nigga, I know one thing. Violation mean demonstration mandatory. I stand on that. I'ma go in your shit, you and my face talking shit, but my dog. I stand on that. Defend her honor and my old lady, my mama. I stand on that. Man of my word, hand of my business, nigga, I promise. I stand on that. I ain't never folded, ain't never told no nigga. I stand on that. Due to the fact it's how I feel, run a face, feel different. I stand on that. Yeah, I'm a nine figure nigga, ride with a stick still. I stand on that. Could doing time, still doing better than getting killed. I stand on that.